Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dishing with Stephanie's Dish podcast. I am here today with author, marketer, and plant expert, Ryan McEnany, who just published his new book, The Field Guide to Outside Style, Designing and Planting Your Perfect Outdoor Space. It is fantastic. I've already gone through it here. Okay, so you had a big weekend at the Home and Garden Show, didn't you? We both did. Well, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Especially like after the snow and all that that we've had this winter, it's it's time to start thinking spring and getting outside and digging in the dirt and grilling and just having some fun outside. Okay, so you your family is Bailey's Nursery and you are is it fourth generation? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. 118 years. So there's three generations still involved in the business and I'm the oldest of the fifth. And when you, like you guys started the endless hydrangea line because there's pink, there's blue, there's purple. Um, The latest one is pop, right? Pop star. Okay. Is that why they call it the pop star stage? I thought it might be. It was. Yes. Yeah. Endless Summer kind of took over the home and garden show this year and pop star is new in garden centers this spring. And so we thought, why not introduce it to some home gardeners in our backyard before we release it to the rest of the world? And so we sort of took over and had four or 500 plants at the show and the pop star stage. And so it was a lot of fun. It was fantastically gorgeous too. It's blue and it has sort of like a a more open profile, I guess I yep. would describe it versus other hydrangeas that are kind of tighter. Like how do you, when you market it, how do you describe it? Yeah. So it's a lace cap hydrangea. So it's got that sort of like flat flower instead of the big ball. And it, I think it's cool because one, it's just not as well known maybe, um, but they're, they're a great pollinator plant uh, because where, where it's flat, it's got like the really pretty showy flowers around the outside. Those are infertile. So that does nothing for a pollinator, but the center where you see those light, little tiny balls in there, that's all fertile flower. And so that's really great for a pollinator. So it's more accessible and just, it, it just adds some cool texture to the garden that you wouldn't necessarily think about when you think about hydrangea. So it's it's been really fun to start talking about and I'm excited to get it in the ground for people. And hydrangeas can be shade or sun, right? Depends on the type of hydrangea. And so this type, the endless summer hydrangeas do best with morning sun and some dappled afternoon shade. But here in Minnesota, we can get away with a little bit more sun. Um, if you're looking for something that's more of a shade hydrangea, those are called smooth hydrangeas or hydrangea arborescence. So it's like the Annabelle, like the really big white snowball hydrangeas. Those do best in shade in Minnesota. I have a bunch of those in my yard as well as trees, hydrangea trees. I love hydrangeas and I love yes. to bring them inside. Yes. We want to talk about your book, but I'm going to like talk about it probably from a lot of different angles. One is... Like, how did you decide to write a book? Because everybody asks me that all the time. And I want to know how you decided. So I'll ask you first. Did you intend to write a book or did it just sort of happen? I think in my mind, I always knew I wanted to record some family recipes. Mm -hmm. But because of COVID, 
I think I was feeling itchy about what am I doing? What am I going to do? Like most of my events were canceled. I didn't know how long this was going to last. I was at home. I was going crazy. So I think that's why I did it. Mine was a COVID book too, mostly. I, um, I had been having a conversation with a garden writer friend of mine at a conference in must've been 2019. And we were just, catching up on life because she was a garden writer first and then had gone in-house and was the acquisitions editor for this publisher, uh, Cool Springs Press, uh, which is a part of Quarto, which is like their big parent publisher. And we were just, my uh, husband's, a lot of his friends were at the age where they were like buying their first houses. And I had already gone through that with my friend group. And I was always one of their first phone calls because they're like, we want a really beautiful yard. But we have no idea what to do. We have no idea where to start. We don't want to waste money on buying stuff that, like, we're going to kill yeah. <laughs> and, and still, like, have to start all over. And so I was just telling her how I had been approaching this with them and helping them create a space that was, like, really unique to them and their lifestyle and what they like. And she was like, that's a book. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm I'm busy. Like, it's, it's fine. But then, you know, it just more conversations and it just made sense and then covid and it was like a great way to continue sharing some of that when we couldn't be with people and i i anticipated and it ended up coming true that there were so many more people coming out of covid that were planting and might never consider themselves a gardener and that's fine like really this book i mean you can be a master gardener and still get a lot out of this too but really my initial goal was to help people that are new to gardening or non-gardeners that that will never see themselves as that but buy a couple plants a year and want to add a little bit to their backyard or they want to spruce up their front their front walk or their front patio but like still want to do it with intention and something that's going to last for more than a season um and hopefully have a little bit of fun with it along the way um and maybe they fall in love with it who knows but even if they don't, that's okay too. But you can still create a really beautiful space and not be a gardener. What I really enjoyed about the book was I felt like it came at it from a different perspective than I've seen in other garden books. You know, other garden books are like, this is your sun plants. These are your shade plants. And then it's like, some of them get fancy with grouping them by color. I really felt like yours (laughs) took a very lifestyle approach. Like, how are you going to use this yard and what is important to you and how are you going to use this space? Because you can take Mm -hmm. the smallest little like side space, you know, over by where your meter reader is, for instance, and kind of make a little intimate, you know, area, or you could have a little water feature. I just, I really liked the way that you laid it out and it felt very accessible. I'm, I'm pretty into gardening and I like it and I've, you know, redone a lot of the spaces in my outside homes because of it. But I felt like this would be like a perfect book for somebody like my sister, who's just wants to have a beautiful yard, but is so intimidated. And usually if I like sit down with her and I'm like, okay, let's just do five things this season in your yard, you know, like it can break it down real small. Well, and I think that's some of the fun of it is finding those little pockets. And as I've been starting to talk about the book and getting out in front of some groups, finally, as we're inching our way towards spring, that's some of my favorite gardens to show is when it's like that little shady pot patch along your driveway that like you just drive right past, but like, 
let's get the weeds out of there and make it something that's like a cool little pocket that you can go and show friends. And um, yeah, it doesn't have to be like a total yard makeover. Like my husband and I bought our house two years ago and it had been flipped. And so there was a bunch of really cool established trees, but they ripped everything else out. So we had this blank slate, like that is a project, but like, you don't have to have that. It can literally be doing some like combination deco pots that you're going to put on your, your back patio because you spend some time during COVID sprucing it up because you're hanging out there more often. Like it can be little things like that, but you still want to do it right. And something that matches who you are and like how you're going to engage with it, that space. So um, it's been really fun to have some of those conversations with people about learning how they're going to use all of this information. You had a lot of beautiful pots in here too, like combinations of things that were like strategically placed. And one of the things I noticed during the pandemic was so many people, like we all had our backyards, but many people came to the front of the yard because there was people walking and we were sort of craving this idea of any community. So we moved mm -hmm. out to the front of our yards to actually see people. Well, and it, you know, it's been really fun as I've been having some of these conversations, we've been talking about like whether you keep the turf lawn or you remove the turf lawn and put a bunch of plants in and like, it doesn't really matter. I'm not here to argue <laughs> either way, but one of the really projects that um, I show in the book is my friend Kelly's house in Des Moines um, might be the inspiration for one of the archetypes in the book, but he got rid of his turf lawn. But the thing that's, I think, most special about it is that intentionally has created pathways through the gardens in his front yard to the street to encourage people to come in and learn and experience it. And no one else is going to do what he's done because like to be as intricately planted as he is, like you have to really know what you're doing, but he's like, I don't care how people come in and find one plant that they love. Like that's part of the fun of this. And with, or landscape or really any of this like there's so much pride in what you do at home and to be able to welcome people in and show that and help teach them some things or inspire them um, I think that's something that's really special and through COVID people I think you're right people have found new pockets of, of places to enjoy and celebrate at home inside and out and you know we have all gone through different phases of what we tried new in the last few years um, and to see this sort of trickle into people's lives and whether it's they tried house plants for the first time or they had house plants and like, okay, maybe I'll plant a couple things out front or they've been buying all these cute like annuals to put in pots for like, hmm, now that I'm home, I kind of want to like to put a hedge up to block off of that certain view. So it's been so cool to see how, how different people are reacting differently and what projects they're taking on and questions they have. From the time that you started in your mind laying this out, or maybe that you got your contract, let's just say that, to the time it took when you saw, like, you finished your manuscript, how long? That took probably about a year. Me too. Um, and supposed to be faster than that. So um, my publisher, thankfully, was very patient um so for better or worse wrote this book at like the worst time ever i like all great things were happening but i got married 
I started a new job uh, at Bailey. I moved from being like an individual contributor to managing the whole marketing communications team um, and bought this house all at the same time I was writing this book. And it was my first book. And so I didn't totally know what I was getting myself into. Uh, so that took a long time. And then with COVID and with the supply chain, everything, paper was short. And so this was actually supposed to be published last spring, but with the paper shortage, it got pushed back. And then garden books just don't really come out in summer because people are enjoying rather than planting. And so that's why I got pushed back to holiday this year. It's a pretty great time, though, because you can go out and about and talk about the book now. So when you're at like the home and garden show, what is do you have like a theme presentation or like what do people come and when they hear you talk? Are they looking for ideas about landscaping the outside? Yeah, it's it's sometimes a little bit of a mix. Some it's like just very basic, like how do I get started? What are the main things I need to be paying attention to? How do I go shopping? Some are more specific. I give a lot of talks on hydrangeas because there's a lot of people love hydrangeas. They're, I think, still maybe the number one most Googled shrub in the world. Shrub or hydrangeas and roses are always the top two. So I get lots of questions about that. So I do a hydrangea talk. I talk a lot about roses. And one of the other newer topics that actually comes up in my design talk as well is this idea of native R's, which is about native plants, but a cultivated variety. So it doesn't necessarily mean it was bred, but it was selected as a mutation from nature and then reproduced. Uh, because native plants have sort of always been a conversation but in recent years they've become very much like part of the conversation and so helping people understand how to build native plants or native cultivars into their landscape so that they can have more plants for the right pollinators better ecological gardening um there's a lot of questions around that because there are so many questions um around how to create a, a garden of place here in minnesota uh, or wherever I'm speaking. But then again, it's like that same thing. Like, where do I start? And what's good? And what's native enough? And are these cultivated varieties good for our landscape? And so lots of questions around that too. When when you thought about laying out the book, because it really is kind of a guide, how do you like to see people use it? I, I put right in there that as you start to get through it and you get to the chapter where we're talking about the different design archetypes, I say, even if you feel like you really align to one, don't skip through the other ones because there are so many little nuggets that you can find from the other archetypes that can still apply to you. Um, so I think that very intentional that we don't really get heavy into plants until later on in the book, uh, because it's easy to look at a picture and say, oh, I love that. I want to recreate that. But if it's a garden in Colorado in summer and you're like, oh, I want to plant that here in Minnesota, like it's not going to work. And so you have to understand all that foundational stuff first. So there's still plants in there. So you still like wet your appetite a little bit. But I think it's really important to get through those, even the guardrails chapter, which frankly is not my strong suit because I don't do well with budgets, but like you still have to have that conversation with yourself or your significant other or your friends or family, whoever it is. Um, but you got to do that before you get in and then like actually spend some time with all of the, the design styles, whether 
you like really align with one or not. And that's been part of the fun of the getting out and actually talking to to people as well is there's been a lot of people that have gotten this as a Christmas gift and then came to hear me speak at the home and garden show or the Arboretum or garden centers. And they're like, I am so a Martha and my neighbor is so a Kelly. And so like they've been able to go back and forth and have conversations about it already, which is exactly what I was hoping would happen that people like sort of fall into these tribes or a combination of like a Martha and a Kelly, or I thought I was a Tommy, but I'm not really. Uh, So that's been really experience so being and able to like actually dig through them has been uh been really fun for those of you that don't have the book yet you should get it but what ryan did that's really clever is he created these sort of people in your mind like martha is the classic kind of martha stewarty person kelly yep. was the is the naturalist maybe more of like the minnesota native cultivated plant lady yep. And then Tommy's sort of the minimalist who's going to go more with straight grasses and maybe some archetype trees. And yep. you create like these different people and then you create gardens for those people based on their styles, based on their, I thought that was really clever. And I was obsessed with trying to figure out who I was <laughs> until I realized I've kind of been all of them. And it sort <laughs> of was dictated by the house you're in too. Yeah. Because this house I'm in now is a cottagey house, and the mm-hmm. woman was a, a master gardener, and she, it's all native Minnesota plants. So, of course, I move in, and the first thing I do is I start to plant, like, things that aren't native, like yep. lilies. And and then it's like, oh, wow, okay, well, the deer just eat them, and that's probably <laughs> why she didn't have them. Yep. He was super smart about what she planted and I just was like, yeah, I really love Lily. So I'm just gonna put, you know, 30 <laughs> lilies over here. I'm lucky if I get one that the deer don't yep. eat. Because your each house has a different environment that feels like the space. Yeah. Well and I think that's what's so important no matter where you fit on the spectrum of these design styles. It's like that's where we start in the book is like architecture, fashion, furniture, like what is it that you love and then what is your what are your surroundings offer you before you can decide like what you're going to actually put in because it is it's so influenced by that and like yeah you can create some of that tension too of like super modern house with like a super naturalistic planting but like that's a very intentional choice and so either like you adapt a little bit to your surroundings or you can go to that extreme but again you have to like really want to do that and know what you're walking into when you do it. One thing I'm sort of looking to do this year, which is new for me, is I've always had a very specific, you know, this is the vegetable garden. This is Mm -hmm. the cut flower garden. And then the rest of it is the landscape plants. I'm going to just like start throwing some vegetables in my yard. There is a fabulous, fabulous garden designer whose name is Brie Arthur. And she has published two or three books now on foodscaping and that's what it's all about her whole design style is built around having edibles in the landscape because there are so many edibles that are also incredibly beautiful and yeah, so you can eat like, pasta. why, why separate you know that and yeah who like it's, i it's... i just figured that out last year and it blew my mind i one of the things that i was talking about at the arboretum that people hadn't heard of is you know um the staghorn sumac and like you see a lot of them planted along the freeways 
but there's uh, one called Tiger Eyes that is planted sort of all over the Twin Cities, but it's got really cool cut leaf, chartreuse foliage in the summer, great fall color, um, but it has these called staghorn because they look like little antlers that come up and they turn red in fall and they're fabulous to create like a lemonade, a natural lemonade. I put sweetener in because I like them sweet, but like stuff like that, that is a cool ornamental plant, but also you can get some really beautiful, like natural product out of that. You know, I guess it depends on how you garden. If you garden organically, you don't want to spray a bunch of stuff on it and then drink it. But like, there are really cool things like that, that you can do that are beautiful and have more than one purpose. I have those and did not know that I could make lemonade from those. So we made a little video that I can send you about how to do it. Oh, I'd love it. And then sometimes we add a little vodka in if you have like a little happy hour moment and it's delightful and refreshing. (laughs) One of the sections in my book that I put in kind of by accident was a whole thing about service berries or June berries. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize you could pick them. And yeah. I lived at, at a house that had an abundance of them. And the berries were kind of annoying because they would drop and stain things. Yep. And one of my neighbors said, well, you know, you can eat those. I was like, you can? So I started doing some research. I picked a ton of them and I made this like drink syrup that you yeah. could put on pancakes. I, of course, like you, put it with gin and vodka. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, wow, here's all these berries that we have just right in our own backyards that mm-hmm. you can eat. Well, and that, again, goes a little bit back to that native, native R conversation where there are so many great plants that do offer that. And whether it's edibles or flowering, whatever, I prefer a plant that does more than one thing for us. So whether it's you get that edible component, you get something that's going to give you multiple seasons of color, great winter interest, like that's where you get bang for your buck. And so I think that's one of the the fun challenges, I think, as you get into some of this design conversation of like, what do you want? And like, when are you home too? Cause like, if you're gone all summer at the cabin, if you're up North, like yep. don't plant a garden that's going to be blooming all summer because then you're going to miss it. Like plant a garden that's great in spring and fall and like, let it kind of live its own life in summer so that you're actually there to enjoy it or a garden that needs a lot of maintenance in summer. If you're at the cabin, don't do that. Like you have to set yourself up for success too. And finding plants that match your lifestyle, I think is, is super important. Yeah. And it is really funny that you mentioned that because I do have a garden that's pretty beautiful in July and that's usually a month when I'm not here a lot. (laughs) Yeah, So I try to keep it kind of minimalist in what is required. I don't have a ton Mm -hmm. of annuals. I just kind of have some of the standards that, and I also have those crappy worms. So all of my houses have those worms. So I'm having to deal with like all my houses. I really only have two. Sorry. I made it sound like I have 12. (laughs) But you know, that thinking about like, okay, those worms are tunneling really shallow. What kind of plants are going to maybe have the best luck of sustaining that? And yeah. How do you deal with that? Cause it's just, that's such a bummer. Yeah. Getting plants that have like that deeper taproot that go down. Yes. And again, you probably already have some in your, your new house now with some of those Minnesota native plants, even like some of those grasses that just send ornamental grasses that send their root system so far down helps you navigate through that a little bit versus some of those, like even some of the hydrangeas that have that shallower root system that can get flipped out. Yeah. Um, It's also too, I'm, I don't know if I'm just being acutely aware 
but the drought that we've had the last couple of years, I'm like, oh, wow. So some of these plants really require like watering almost every day where others can do all right. And if I'm not home, I want plants that I'm not going to have to be continually watering. I don't really have a, a irrigation system. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I have to maybe swap some of these out that just can't make it. Yeah, I think that we have been fairly spoiled in the past. And because we don't have as many water issues here in Minnesota, we don't, like, if we live in this bubble of our Minnesota Zone 4 landscape, we aren't thinking about that as much. But from the Bailey side of it, as a plant breeder and owner of these these plant collections, like we've got Endless Summer, but another one is called First Editions that's got a bunch of trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, vines that we sell all over the world. We really have been focused on breeding and selecting plants that have great drought tolerance because as the earth continues to heat up, uh, there, there's a really great map that I can't often remember what the university is, but that shows like what your equivalent um, climate is going to be in like 50 years. Yeah. And it shows like, okay, so Minneapolis is going to be, I can't remember what it was. Des Moines was like Oklahoma city. And so like even thinking ahead to like, how are we going to plant and what are we going to plant that can sustain that? And so to have to shift some of our plant palette to kind of whatever we want to planting things that do have some inherent drought tolerance right. in there is it's a big shift. And, and we have to think about that as we're going through that initial, that initial design phase. And like you said, if you're gone in July, you don't want to come home to a bunch of dead stuff. Cause then it just adds more work on the back end when you're like, I just want to be here to enjoy a beautiful fall landscape, you know? So it is, it's, it's going to be a really big change in the coming years. Where do you want people to find your book at? You can find it at most, uh, a lot of local garden centers. You can find it at local bookstores. Um, you can find it on basically anywhere online, Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, also my website, Ryan Plants Plants. All right, Ryan Plants Plants. I can't wait to see you <laughs> in person again. You did a great job at the Home and Garden Show. I heard my friend Molly was telling me how great you were. <laughs> and it is the field guide to outside style, designing and planting your perfect outdoor space. You guys, bite, take, a, take a chance this year. Like make this the year that you start to do something different that really makes your space your own. You won't regret it. I just, I get so much joy out of my yard and you know, the planting and the gardening is kind of my thing. But even if you just like sitting in a nice spot with two Adirondack chairs and two really cute pots. Exactly. And just have some fun with it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all work. You get to, no. you get to set the boundaries before you even start digging. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me, Ryan. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Okay. We'll Thank talk you. soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.